now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill to break down the week that was in the NFL. The Patriots took on the Dolphins. Rich, what is it about going to Miami or the state of Florida in general that gives this team so much problems? I mean, honestly, I don't even know, man. They've lost, what, five out of the past six games. There is something about Miami that is just absolutely haunted for the New England Patriots. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I had the gall, and I take full responsibility for this. I had written my post-game analysis after the Patriots. They had their lead. They got the ball. They had that big defensive pass interference call drawn by Josh Gordon to get down to the goal line. I was like, all right, well, this game's in the bag. So I decided, and so I take responsibility, everyone. I decided to write my post-game analysis saying, you know what, congratulations to the Patriots. They got the, you know, they, they finally beat the Dolphins in Miami. Take that, those jinxes and curses. Ten AFC championship or East championships in a row. Hooray, New England. And then <laughs> that last play happened, and I don't even know, man. How, how does this happen every time? No, it, it's crazy. It's just one of the, I mean, again, it's hard to get too mad because these are just one of those freak plays you'll be seeing on highlight reels forever. It just happens. It muddies the playoff picture a little bit. Not too much. We can talk about that in a little bit. Overall, though, Rich, I'm not as upset, A, because it was one of those plays, like I said, and B, this was a wild week in the NFL. So many weird things happened all across the league, AFC, NFC alike. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, seriously. I mean, what... We can look at any possible contender that you want, and they just had a nightmare performance. If we want to start in the AFC, sure. I mean, the Chiefs, they built up some distance ahead of the Patriots as that top seed, but I don't know if you caught the end of that Pat- or the Chiefs-Ravens game, but the Chiefs needed a fourth-quarter conversion or fourth-down conversion to score a game-tying touchdown against the Ravens. Ravens had about, like, 50 seconds left in the game to try and kick a game-winning field goal. Justin Houston of the the Chiefs forced a fumble in field goal range that the Chiefs recovered, so they could have just chipped it in. Harrison Butker missed it, and so they went to overtime. Chiefs still managed to win, but it was just so close, so close. But every other possibly disastrous game for the Patriots at the AFC uh, kind of went out well. I don't know. I mean, with both the, the, the Steelers and the Texans, it turned out pretty well for New England. Yeah, it did. Let's talk about the Steelers game for a minute, Rich, because they went to Oakland. Oakland's a terrible team. They're already out of the playoffs, playing for next year. Steelers had to have that one to keep up with the Patriots for the possible two-seed first-round bye. They seemed to have it in the bag, and then the Oakland Raiders drove down the field and scored on fourth and goal, and the Steelers did what Steelers do, another crazy lateral play, down inside field goal range, a chip shot field goal, slips on the turf, it gets blocked. Are you taking anything away from the Steelers' loss, or is this kind of just how the Steelers are going to be in games late? This is how they play. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, but they always kind of have these plays. They pull out of their rear end to keep them in it. Oh, it's so true. I mean, this Steelers team is confounding. They've lost three in a row. They lost on the road to the Broncos, at home to the Chargers in a pretty crazy game, and then now to the the hapless Raiders. 
three in a row. They are very much so in jeopardy of not making the playoffs. They host the Patriots next week. We'll break them down on our Thursday podcast. And then they're on the road against the Saints in week 16. There's a very real chance that this Steelers team will finish 8-7-1. and one. That is not out of the question. That would mean that they might miss the playoffs. And what is the Steelers team? Uh, they don't even have a real identity, I guess. They have a terrible defense. They have an offense that is very, very potent if everyone is healthy and available, but James Conner might not play next week. His availability is in jeopardy. So their entirety of their offense is Juju Smith-Schuster, who is, unlike for his credit, is incredible. And so is Antonio Brown. But can they win if they don't have a running game? I don't know. I don't think the Steelers team has any bite to them, even less than years past. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just it seems that every single game they play, I don't have their their stats and their record in front of me, but I feel like it's accurate to say the Steelers were underwhelming. They were down late. They were about to blow the game, and then there was some kind of like triple lateral reverse 80-yard path to set them up at the goal line, and they pull it out with three seconds left. I feel like that's how they win every single game, and it seems like this year, this game at least, this week, finally caught up to them. But, yeah, what an enigmatic team, and we can break more on them as the week goes on. How about the Colts-Texans, Rich? That was a game I thought the Texans would win. They were at home against Indy. Indy's kind of been coming on late, probably too little too late this season, but the Colts could play spoiler to come in the last couple weeks of the football season. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Colts are 7-6 and six right now. They are neck and neck for that final wild card spot. The Ravens currently hold it. They are also 7-6. and six. Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans are also 7-6. and six. So you have a four-way tie at 7-6 and six for that final wildcard spot. We can throw in Denver at 6-7 and seven to be part of the consideration as well. This is a good Colts team. Andrew Luck has been incredible this year since he's shaken off his rust. He's done very, very well. T.Y. Hilton in particular always has the Houston Texans numbers. But you have to give a lot of credit to the Indianapolis Colts for the drafting that they've done. Because Darius Leonard at linebacker, one of the best pickups. I mean, honestly, arguably one of the top draft picks of the entire year. He has changed the complexion of their entire defense. He can do it all. He can cover. He can stop the run. He he got a sack as well against uh, Deshaun Watson. So they're a very disruptive team. Eric Ebron, you know, give credit to the Colts for having him and developing him into someone who just couldn't emerge with the Detroit Lions, who all of a sudden can do it all. So... They're a challenging team. I would not want to face them on the wild card, although I do think that the Patriots have their number. That's more in particular for saying uh, if the Texans are the three seed and they have to have a rematch or the Steelers somehow get the the three seed, although that's unlikely. I don't want to have to play the Colts. I don't want to have to play the Chargers. I don't want to have to play either of those wild card teams. Yeah, I mean, I want, for so many reasons, I want no part of Wild Card Weekend. Having that week off is so crucial, not only for injury and rest purposes, but, yeah, the Wild Card teams, whoever they are, it's going to be San Diego most likely, and whoever gets that sixth seed is going to be a very dangerous team who's hot at the right time, and that could very easily, easily be an upset game. Unfortunately for the Patriots, Rich, they did not do themselves any favors this past weekend, losing to Miami on what can only be described as a what the hell was that kind of play. It's too bad, too, because I feel like this really puts a damper on what was a pretty good overall offensive performance. Defensively, really not so much. But I think offensively, this might have been the most complete game I've seen them play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least for the first half, right? Because we look at the numbers right there, and 
I believe Evelyn Lazar or someone. I mean, what we saw was that Tom Brady suffered a knee injury after the touchdown to Rob Gronkowski. You can look at those, I believe, uh, videos going around on Nesson, NBC Sports. Uh, you see that Gronk after the touchdown. You see Brady go down to the turf. He's kind of holding his knee, gets up limping, waves over for help, and he has a knee brace in the second half. I mean, clearly he was able to finish it, but he was something like 16 of 20 for 200-plus yards and three touchdowns before then. And in the second half, he was like a 500 or a 50% passer, had barely over 100 yards. Patriots only put up six points in the second half. Very, very weak showing. I'm curious to see what that knee injury is, whether it's hopefully just minor and he can shake it off and he'll be better moving forward, or if it's something that we have to really monitor. But that first half for the offense was as good as you could see for the Patriots. I mean, they had it all. Gronkowski was involved. Finally, I still don't think he looks like his old self, but it was nice to see him getting some targets, even though I cringed every time a defender was near him. Josh Gordon was incredibly dynamic. Julian Edelman was very, very productive. That was the trio we've needed to see all along. And my question to you, Alec, is uh, if, if that trio can continue to produce like that, is this the best offense that we're going to see from the Patriots, or is there still a ways to go? That's a good question, man. Like, I'm looking back and I'm thinking back over this season as a whole from week one to now, and I have yet to think to myself, this team's really firing on all cylinders. There's been times when the offense looks great and the defense is sputtered or vice versa. They haven't really all clicked as a unit yet. And one thing that didn't go as well as, as I thought, I think it's more credit to, to Miami than anything else. I really thought the running game would be a lot more productive than it was against the Dolphins. The Dolphins got gashed by the Patriots earlier in the season. They get gashed week to week, it seems like. So they seemed hell-bent on stopping the run. Michelle had 57 yards on 20 carries, which is not the very pedestrian numbers. The second-leading rusher with James White only had 13 yards on four carries, and nobody could really get going in the running game. So I'd like to see them throw the ball as effectively as they threw it, with also Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead getting involved on the ground as well. There's something about that that wasn't quite clear yet. So the answer is your question is no, because I don't think the running game was as effective as it could have been. Yeah, I agree. And there was some weird vibe that I got whenever Rex Burkhead was on the field. I was like, this just isn't going to end well. This isn't going to end well. And I wonder if he's shaking off some of the rust or the offense is still readjusting to his timing. But whenever Burkhead was on the field, I did not think that there was going to be a very productive play on the way. And I hope that changes at some point because he's always a very, very good player to have, particularly in the red zone due to his versatility. Um, but with the rest of the offense in the second half, only putting up six points is a huge disappointment, especially because the defense did a pretty good job in the second half. Now, other than that very, very final play, I thought that the defense, particularly the secondary, did a really good job. I, I want to give credit to Stephon Gilmore. I know he allowed that one touchdown to Bryce Butler. But other than that, I mean, Kenny Stills had a huge day for Miami. No one else did much of anything as a receiver, right? No one else had more than one catch outside of Kenny Stills. So the Patriots secondary had a really good showing. There's just something going on. We talked about the Patriots rushing attack. Their rushing defense has been ghastly the past two weeks. No, it has. And I have to wonder, Danny Shelton's been a healthy scratch the past two weeks. Now, I'm not saying Danny Shelton's the answer in the middle of the field, but he hasn't been on. There's got to be a reason. And they think that whoever they're fielding instead of Danny Shelton is better for stopping the run. Clearly not the case. I mean, listen, I love me some Brandon Bolden, Rich Hill. He's been a very valuable member of this <laughs> Patriots team for many years. But when he goes, what, 54 yards yep. to the house? Yep. I mean, 
that just that just can't happen. There's no way the guy who runs for 50 plus yards and a touchdown is out there on the next play in the coverage unit. That's a horrible look for this defense. And so maybe get Danny Shelton back in there. I don't know. That's kind of a, a weird way to think of it. But the last two weeks they've been terrible, and the last two weeks Shelton's been out. Coincidence? I don't think so. I'm, I've been down with that drum for a while too, because Patriots run defense wasn't good last year either, and I thought they were gonna. They, I mean, they did acquire Danny Shelton to try and fix it, and it hasn't changed. So there's something going on. I think partially it's because Malcolm Brown has been pretty underwhelming this year. I know that all of the other defenders say that he's an unsung player on the defense. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Two weeks in a row, he's been the rock in the middle. I know that Lawrence Guy has outplayed him all year and Malcolm Brown has just looked very very subpar it's not been a good year for him this is a Patriots defense that is quite clearly flawed they can't cover running backs out of the backfield apparently they can't stop the run up the middle they allow the sixth most yard per carry on first down in the entire league they rank 10th or they're the 10th worst in the league in allowing yards up the middle and so this is a team that has some pretty glaring weaknesses, and they're going to play some really good running backs when it comes time for the postseason, no matter what team they play. Is there any chance that the Patriots are going to fix their defense in the coming weeks, or is this defense kind of what it is for the rest of the year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, – I don't know, man. I, I, I we're, we're into week 15 now. You know, it's not like there's a, a final push to be made. I feel like this is when you're supposed to be playing your best football. You're polishing things off. But it's been a glaring flaw all season. I can't see them magically fixing it. You know, think about the – I'm not comparing these two teams by any means. But you look at like the 11 team or the, the 13 team where they would just give up yards at will between the 20s and live off turnovers. And that's what they did. They didn't get any worse at it, didn't get any better at it late in the season. And those disastrous years only saw them make it to a Super Bowl and an eighth championship game. You know, so – they're going to be okay, but I don't think there's going to be this magic turnaround where there's just going to be stopping the run left and right. The real problem is, Rich, the, next, the last three games of the season are at Pittsburgh with a very struggling running game with James Conner hurt, and then Buffalo and the New York Jets at home, both of whom are, are not great running teams either. So I'm worried there might be a little kind of house of cards situation where the Patriots look good against the run to close the season out going against subpar running backs. Then they have to host a team like San Diego with Melvin Gordon or the Ravens, whoever they have to come in in the divisional round, and all of a sudden the good running back comes out again and they get destroyed and can't adjust. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And hopefully they can make whatever adjustments they need to. I, I just don't know. I mean, Dante Hightower hasn't looked great. Alandon Roberts has been playing his best football of his entire career, but even that's not enough. Kyle Van Noy has been solid. It just seems like there aren't any playmakers other than Trey Flowers in their defensive front seven, and they need some players to step up. They, they need somebody to just say, you know what, I'm going to take over the game, and they don't have that ability, and until they have that, other teams should feel very, very comfortable running the ball on first down, getting those five yards, setting up a very favorable second down situation, taking some big shots. The biggest thing that the Patriots need to do on defense is force opposing teams into second and long situations, and they haven't been able to do that all year. They definitely didn't do that against the Dolphins, where they couldn't even get them into third down situations. I know that the Dolphins were one for seven on third down, so the Patriots had a lot of success when they finally got them there, but for the entire first half, 
they couldn't get the Dolphins to punt. I know that, like, they, they did, literally. But, like, they, they were letting them score in three, four-play drives. And that's completely unacceptable for the Patriots' style of defense. I have no idea what was going on. But when you have, how old is Frank Gore? 80 years old? I don't know. He was 92 <laughs> rushing yards on 12 carries. Brandon Bolden, 60 rushing yards on two carries and two touchdowns. You can't allow opposing teams to gash you like that on the ground and expect to win. It's just putting your entire defense in an impossible situation. And honestly, I think so much of the blame in this game goes to the coaching staff. No, totally. Again, I think Miami is just like this weird twilight zone vortex where everybody just stops thinking and they can't think straight and they they can't call straight and there's some – play calling. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, look at Tom Brady who missed a wide open Chris Hogan in the end zone. And the next play he got sacked to run the clock out to close the half, leaving points on the board there. That's the most un-Tom Brady thing you will ever see. You see these weird stretch runs on third and short to Rex Burkhead for losses. You have Rob Gronkowski out there on a non-Hail Mary play where Devin McCourty, who's their best tackler by leaps and bounds on the sideline, just weird, questionable coaching decisions all up and down the board. But the good news is I feel like this is the kind of thing, well, either A, really galvanized this team. You saw the locker room after this loss, and they were stunned. They were absolutely stunned and shocked. And this is the kind of thing they can bounce back from and say, we will never let this happen again. Or you can crumble and let this be the kind of defining moment in your season. And I don't think the Patriots locker room and coaching staff is of the ilk to let that happen. So I'm hoping that this team will really rally around this loss, really learn from it, take that pain and channel it towards a very strong push because they have three very winnable games left if they do that they're good to go well okay so my question for you though is wasn't that game supposed to be the loss to the titans right before the bye week they got demolished 34 to 10 wasn't that supposed to be the game where they say never again they're just going to completely galvanize themselves is miami that much of a house of horrors that it's like no matter what will happen they'll be in trouble because i'm looking at this and saying all right uh, it might be less of the team just having a collapse and them just not being able to play on the road. I mean, they lost to the Jaguars, lost to the Lions, lost to the Titans, lost to the Dolphins. These are four very mediocre teams, if not sub-mediocre teams, and you are losing to them on the road. Sure, they beat the Bears. Yeah, they beat the Bills. They're losing to really mediocre teams on the road. If they can't get that top seed and they have to go on the road in the playoffs, is there any chance of them going into Arrowhead and winning? I just don't see it. Well, the Miami thing, listen, the AFC, the Patriots have swept the AFC East, what, twice in the Belichick era? 2007, 2012, I believe. That's Two true. times in, in 18. So they're going to lose one game in the AFC East at least. They probably go 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two in the division. That's a lock. We were both idiots, Rich, picking Patriots to win this game. I don't know what we were thinking. That's so Historically, true. I'm... I am a I am a huge proponent of if, if if history proves one thing over and over again, you go with that. Which is why I'm really mad at the old Tom Brady's window is closing people. They were, they ignore history. They were gonna lose in Miami. I should have known better. We should have known better. So I'm not really upset about the loss so much as just to lose on a last second play when you left very easy points on the board. That's what really really sticks in my craw. The Titans they play, played like crap, right? They had a bad game, looked terrible. Jaguars early in the season, and then the, the the Lions game. It was just one of those situations. I guess maybe with the former coordinator. I don't know. I, I can I can spin zone my way out of all those losses. But the Miami game, losing the way they did when they should have had, they basically had the AFC East in hand, locked up, a 99% chance of victory to have that snatched away 
when sucked out of your sales, how do you respond to that kind of loss? I think goes a long way. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm really hoping the Patriots can take Pittsburgh and really kind of make a statement because I haven't really had a statement win yet. I don't think they really have. Like a true – maybe 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 the Chiefs. I'm going to give them the Chiefs game. But it's been a long time since they played the Chiefs. So I'd like a nice end-of-season statement win where they put the other rest of the AFC on notice and says we are not going quietly and you will have to beat us and our best if you want to make it and represent this conference Super Bowl. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is a team that I still don't know if they have their identity. You mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast. I don't know what this Patriots team is all about. I don't know if they're a running team. They were trying to do that a little bit early on when Sonny Michelle was huge. They did it against the Jets and the Vikings, and then they couldn't do it against the Dolphins. I don't know if they're a passing team because, you know what, they've had such a rotating cast of receivers. Gronkowski's finally emerged after being dormant since week one. Josh Gordon's been you know, a very reliable producer, uh, producer and so has Julian Edelman, but I don't think Edelman's really taken over a game yet, even though he's had like really much flashes of being able to do so. I don't know what their offensive identity is this year compared to years past. And then in the defense, they have a great secondary. They have a very weak defensive front seven. And if they're not playing complementary football, they're in trouble. And there's a reason why this is one of the, the least intimidating Patriots teams in recent memory. Because, as you said, I mean, yeah, they beat the Chiefs. That's definitely a signature win. They've had very few dominant wins compared to what they've had in the past. They beat the Dolphins in Week 4. They beat the Bills in Week 8. Those were dominant wins. Yeah, they beat the the Jets, so they pulled away, and the Vikings. They've been, like, solid. But there hasn't been any wire-to-wire games where they've absolutely just crushed the other team, no risk, won super comfortably, and they usually get one of those at some point during the year. Will it happen in the next three weeks? I'm not sure. But, I mean, there's still a lot of football left to play, man. And I, I hope that they're able to win out because they really need this bye week because I don't see them doing well if they have to play on the road in the playoffs. Oh, no way. If they have to host the wild card team, if they have to host <clears throat> excuse me, the Chargers or the Ravens, that's going to be a bloodbath. Then they have to go on the road to play the Te- – uh, the Texans, actually, I'm okay with them playing the Texans. But they have to play the Chiefs somehow for whatever reason. I don't know, man. They need that week off. Their playoff record – is stellar at home and so-so on the road. They are much better at home and they are on the road. And it's going to be a crazy, crazy finish to this season. This is exactly what the NFL wants. It's going to come down to the absolute wire. The playoff picture will be a total mess until the last whistle blows of the very last game of the season. And we're going to be glued to our TVs like absolute suckers. Oh, absolutely. We'll have a lot to break down for the next podcast coming out on Thursday. There are a lot of really good games next week. Thursday night football, Chargers on the road against the Chiefs. Uh, you got the, the Patriots on the road against the Steelers. You got uh, the Rams against the reigning Super Bowl champ Eagles, even though they're not that great of a team. Uh, I mean, there, there are some solid games out there. Bears, Packers, I know that the Packers are kind of a letdown, but you know what? They, they always play well. They could be spoilers to the Bears, Cowboys, Colts. That's got playoff uh, ramifications there. There should be some good football. We'll break it down on Thursday. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on week 14 of the NFL season, or can we put this miracle in Miami behind us? Stupid dolphins. <laughs> Absolutely. And until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy.
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.